Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Well, welcome back, everybody. It is another edition of the Blue Gold Report brought to you by Dio McComan Sons Funeral Homes after a bittersweet loss to uh, Georgia over last Saturday. Todd Burlidge and myself are here to help break down the Virginia game straight ahead, another top 20 opponent. Of course, wherever you found us, uh, if it's uh, we're downloading a podcast, make sure you rate and review us and share us with all your friends. And of course, if you're listening on Saturday morning, welcome to uh, ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. Right after us, we'll be fighting Irish preview even more about the Cavalier game but we'll bring in Todd Burrell he's got a lot to break down about that Georgia game and then get you ready for this uh, next home game here uh, Todd uh, you know the, the big time programs they don't get off on moral victories or moral losses or all that kind of crap and if you're a big time program that uh, that loss last week hurt yeah for sure but boy I've never seen a group of fans, uh, a fan base happier than losing to Georgia. I mean, it, I, it, it I was all... I don't get it, it either. all roses up here, yeah. It was crazy because uh, you had a lot of chances to win. You committed a lot of penalties, and you made a lot of mistakes, and you still had a chance to win. And, you know, like you said, the, the great teams, the elite teams, they finish the job on those when they have the ball down six on the last drive. And, and Notre Dame was, not, was, was unable to do it. I'm not trying to be too critical here uh, because they did play well defensively and did some things. Well. But at the same time, I was just... I, I was really shocked... At all, everything I read about, you know, oh, well, hey, that wasn't so bad. Well, yeah, it was because you're not going to the playoffs, and no, I can guarantee you that. Yeah, and I don't want to hear people try and figure out the math on how they can actually still make the playoffs because I don't buy it, not with the competition level the way it is at the SEC, uh, and not being in a conference again will end up biting them into you know what at the end. I, I, I will admit, and we'll break it down some more. Defense played a lot better than you and I both thought. But again, I don't know the last time Alabama had a moral victory in a loss. I don't think they ever did. Uh, and I know Nick Saban never did. So, uh, And I'm tired of BK uh, not coaching to an elite level either. But we'll, we'll talk about that, Todd. Uh, we start every show with good news mostly, I think, somehow in there. Uh, Blue Gold Nuggets, you probably have some uh, uh, good news, even though it'll probably start with some injuries that we're going to lay on deep, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, it's good news on the injury front. Yeah, okay. So All right. You can look at it that way. <laughs> uh, Michael Young, who's been running a week behind Cole Komet, uh, obviously they both broke their collarbones. He will probably play rags, I would assume, here against Virginia. He's been practicing all week. Brian Kelly listed him as probable, um, but I would say that more than likely we'll see Michael Young, whether it's a heavy dose like you get from, got from Cole Komet against Georgia, I don't know. Uh, but that should that's going to give him a little bit more versatility. It will allow Fink to move inside, which we've talked about the last couple shows, which I think will help this offense. Another area that Notre Dame is badly in need of some healthy bodies is a running back. Mm. And it looks as if Jameer Smith, um, he's recovering from a uh, sprained toe, and he's missed the last couple games. Um, he's also listed as probable. Really need to get him back there, and we're going to break down this running game nightmare here a little bit later in the show. Uh, Braden Lindsey, wide receiver, sophomore wide receiver. He was kind of a late scratch in the Georgia game. I think he was expected to play. Uh, didn't end up working out. He's going through concussion protocol. Um, Brian Kelly also called him probable, so he's been practicing. So he should be back and ready to go. And finally, Jafar Armstrong, a little bit of good news here. He's obviously, he's still out. That's the starting running back um, who's been battling that abdominal strain, um, I guess you'd call it, uh, kind of a weird injury. Originally, they said, Rags, that he'd probably be out until October 26th for the Michigan game. 
They backed that off now. Now they're saying maybe USC on October 12th, so two weeks earlier. There's a bye week in between those two games, so we'll see how Brian Kelly chooses to play that. Um, even with the loss, more some more just glowing reviews because Notre Dame lost. Um, <laughs> most of these projections, these sort of weekly bowl projections, they still have Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, the only thing when it comes to USA Today, their opponent changed. Notre Dame's opponent changed. Before, it's all along, it's been UCF, Central Florida, matched up with Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl. Well, Central Florida went and got beat at Pitt over the weekend, so now they've slated Boise State in that slot. Um, so <laughs> Boise State-Notre Dame is your early Cotton Bowl matchup projection. And finally, this was kind of funny, and and I don't know if people were really necessarily following it or what they if they had their own thoughts, but during the New Mexico game, NBC busted out that new aerial camera. Yep. Um, we're always using, for our entire lifetimes when we watch football, the play-by-play camera's always been the same. It's just kind of those banks of cameras attached to the mezzanine deck. It's been the same angle, basically, the same everything. Well, NBC decided to shake things up a little bit and gave you a movable camera. It's, it's all on wires uh, and cables, and it floats around at 40 uh, feet above the action. It can actually sort of run with the player and zoom in. A lot of people didn't like it. Said it gave them a headache, and they, they just they, they were so used to what they're used to uh, that they wanted it gone. Well, NBC has admitted, okay, maybe we went over the top with it a little bit the first time we used it against New Mexico. But I, I'll, I'll go along with their excuse. They said, hey, it was a 66-14 game. We're trying a few things, you know, for future reference. They're going to obviously have that camera in tow for the Virginia game, but they're going to back it off a little bit. You're not going to see it basically your primary camera uh, during all the play-by-play action rags, and those are your blue gold nuggets. Yeah, I didn't like it. I, we didn't talk much about it uh, last time we talked, and I, I it was a little weird. I, I got a little dizzy. I got to be honest with you. Yeah, I know. Uh, And uh, Alizé Mack, by the way, uh, he got drafted by the Saints, got cut. He is picked up by the Steelers, so a little blue gold gold alumni nugget there. Mac is on the practice squad there, but they need some depth in tight end with Vance McDonald down, so uh, some Notre Dame players. And Golden Tate will be back uh, after next week, Todd. That four-game suspension will be open and over, and uh, one of the elite Notre Dame players in the league will be back. So just to give you a little football update uh you know but i digress uh the georgia game todd uh, again uh you're right it seemed to be some solace out there from notre dame fans saying hey you know sec team on the road had a chance to win baba booba being but let's right. face it um they made a lot of unforced errors in this game they should have won it they had a, a lot of chances you could look at it one way too without a muff punt are they even in the game i don't know sure. you, you know uh, th- that set a tone early but their defense really stepped up and we were worried about the defense going into the game especially with the great running back that uh, georgia has yeah really did a nice job and that was a little bit of a surprise because both new mexico and louisville rushed for well over 200 yards uh, against the irish and then the irish come in and hold georgia to only 152 yards rushing um, uh, that was obviously what they wanted to do, and I thought they, I thought the linebackers really did a nice job, not only in the run game, but also in the pass defense game, um, because Fromm, you know, he, he was, what, what was Fromm as far as uh, his completions here? He was 20 of 26, which sounds very impressive, but it was only for 187 yards. I think it was like down around six yards per attempt, which is, which is amazing for a defense to do that. So yeah, defensively, they did everything they needed to do. But the thing about it is Brian Kelly preached all week long leading up to Georgia about how we know it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. We have to prepare for it. We're going to go indoors. We're going to jack that that indoor facility up as loud as it can go. That's not going to be an excuse. That's not going to be a problem. 
Uh, basically, we learned from the Miami game in 2017 yeah. when the Canes put a 41-8 uh, route on the Irish, who were just totally baffled by the crowd noise. You saw it again. Notre Dame, 12 penalties, 85 yards. Some of them critical. A lot of sort of early timeouts because of the crowd noise. So Brian Kelly was asked about that, and he actually did. He fell on his own sword here. He took full responsibility uh, for for those shortcomings. I'm sick about it. I mean, I... I've been a head coach for 29 years. I know better, uh, to be quite honest with you. We, we we didn't spend enough time. Obviously, I thought I thought I did. I made a terrible um, uh, miscalculation in that I felt like our quarterback was prepared, um, but he wasn't, and that falls on me. Um, consequently, we had three critical. Um, you know, um, Cadence, um, you know, issues uh, that who knows where that could have led to, you know. Um, so uh, that's that falls on my shoulders. You know, I got to do a better job and uh, we'll make sure that that never happens again. Interesting. Uh, BK does that sometimes, the uh, passive aggressive slam on a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he tends to do that with his former quarterbacks. And I will say this, Todd, the one constant. In the Brian Kelly years, as has been Brian Kelly uh, with these road games, I think in my memory, and tell me I'm probably wrong, but the one road victory that was a big win, Oklahoma, and and that was the first undefeated go-around. I don't remember anything else, and we talked about it a little bit last week, their shortcomings on the road, and not being prepared is a main focus, and he's fallen on the sword, but a little too little, a little too late. Yeah, um... I, I, Oklahoma certainly jumps out at you, and, and really, when you want to talk about elite or signature wins for Brian Kelly, it's a short list, and that one, I think, is the headline of that list. They had a nice win over Stanford that same year, yeah. but that was at Notre Dame Stadium, so that certainly doesn't count. You're right. This has been a real problem, especially against excellent teams. I believe Oklahoma, ooh, better not go there. I was thinking, I think they were number eight, so that's that's still a really good win for Brian Kelly. Um it seems like the same problems come up, though, when they go into these road games. First of all, the crowd noise, which we've already addressed, but it seems like they just are unable to run the football. And perhaps that's the that's the opponent forcing them to beat them with the pass. Uh, Ian Book certainly tried. He threw enough times. What was he, 29 of 47? Had two touchdowns. We also had two picks. Mm-hmm. You know, and so-so there, I guess. But Rags, the rushing is really troubling in this game against Georgia. Only 14 attempts. And let's see, three of those were Ian Book's scrambles. So really, in some respects, you could call it 11 attempts. But but even the 14 attempts is the fewest tries, rushing tries, since Brian Kelly's been here at Notre Dame. Um, and for only 46 yards. And so that dropped Notre Dame to number 85 in the country in rushing offense at 144 yards a game. And, and we've addressed it already a number of times. Brian Kelly said before this season that the key to success was going to be running the football and stopping the run. And frankly, Notre Dame has not done either very well this year. Uh, but again, 14 attempts, Rags, that's not going to get it done. Certainly injury is a big part of the problem. But I think at some point you're going to have to trust these guys. You know, you raved about Avery Davis when he scored against New Mexico. You raved about Sebo Flemister with the job he did against New Mexico in your 66-point route there. Um, but he, he even admits here in this next clip will pop in that he didn't trust these guys in this atmosphere. He, well, well, what are you doing? I mean, Avery Davis has been with the program now for four years. What do you mean you don't trust him? So anyhow, let's here's Brian Kelly's take on what a crappy run game looks like here at Notre Dame. Look, I mean, I think in the vacuum, everybody would love to be, 
you know, 300 yards rushing, 300 yards passing. Um, but we're going to, until we get up to the strength that we need to um, at the running back position, we're going to find ways um, to put points on the board and, and win football games. Um, uh, we've got to rely on uh, Avery and Sebo uh, Fleminster more than we did. Um, we were, you know, obviously a little res reticent to, to put them out in, in the atmosphere at Georgia, but we've got to rely on those guys. I thought the offensive line did a really good job against a very difficult defense to, uh, uh, to handle in terms of pass protection. Um, but we've got to find a way to run the football, too, uh, and, and we're going to have that challenge against Virginia. Problem here you – know, oh, I'm sorry, Todd. I was just going to say the problem here, and I'll let you go real quick, but the problem here is – and we'll look ahead for the Virginia game. Uh, they could get dominated up front again. We'll break that down in just a bit because their run defense, Virginia, is really darn good. But go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah, true, uh, for sure, and we will get into that. It's probably the best run defense Notre Dame will face all, all year, to yeah. be honest with you. Well, I think what Brian Kelly's trying to do – with his run game is all these short passes, and you know it's worked for him against lesser opponents where it's been a five-yard pass uh, but a 50-yard gain, and certainly that looks good for Ian Book, a 50-yard completion when basically it's just a, a flip there. Um, so that's kind of one of the ways they're trying to rectify this situation. Another one that comes in really handy is having Cole Komet back in the lineup. Because oh, my. Beast. He was. I, I tell you. Say, I thought he might be limited a little bit, but what, let's see here. What did uh, nine catches, 108 yards, one TD all over the place? I don't even think his TD catch was intended for him. He's like, I'll take this. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I think having him back, and especially if you add Michael Young back to the lineup, then indeed you're going to have some open passing lanes. He's going to require some, at least uh, uh, perhaps even a double team type attention. Cole Komet is. And I just think having him back in the fray is really going to help this offense, help open this offense up, especially in the passing game, which then perhaps could trickle down to the running game, Rags. Well, for a second there, I thought they uh, re-recruited Mark Bavaro uh, during the course yeah. of the game. I'm like, well, what, where did this come from? I remember we used to be tight end you, but it's kind of gone away a little bit. Um, and now he he looked like a man playing him on boys early on in that game. It was like, just throw it to him and he'll take over. So that was encouraging, to say the least. But still, Todd, there's no speed on, on the outside, and there's no deep game, and you know it's getting frustrating to watch because there's really not much offense they can do way down the field. Uh, and, and yeah, that, and that's a shame. It, it is a shame. Uh, there seems to be weapons, but somehow they're not getting used. All right, let's but, you know let's talk about the playoff picture here, Todd, and we'll, we'll break down the Virginia game here right after. Uh, personally, I'm looking at it, and and uh, yeah, it's cute. They are close. And in a normal situation where you're in a conference that you could right. possibly win and win a conference championship, yes, an early loss against the top five team isn't that big a deal on the road and you're within a touchdown. Yes, that's a normal circumstance. However, looking at their schedule and looking at the fact that they're not in a conference where other teams are that will have that benefit, I just sure. can't do the math, Todd. I just did a column on it, Rags. Actually, that's why I wanted to bring it up again. And, and you're right, it, it just... To me, it looks like Notre Dame has to be undefeated to get into the playoffs. And I used to not really believe that, but I certainly do now. And part of that's just because the way this, this 2019 schedule kind of collapsed on them. You know, that's really no fault of their own. But but look at it, Rags. Now, next year, you'll have to play Clemson. That'll be a top-five opponent, you can be sure. So, yep. Yeah, it's at home. I get that. But you lose that game, you're probably out of the conversation again. Following year... Maybe not quite the power as a Clemson, but you get Wisconsin at Soldier Field. You lose that one, you're definitely out. 
And then what would it be? So we're talking about twenty in twenty two and twenty three. You play Ohio State, <laughs> so <laughs> you know you have these this, these one game sort of playoffs built into your season. And, and if you don't win it, you're right. There's nothing to mask it, nothing to hide it. And this year's it's especially true because let's look at this. Okay, well you got no so, help from Michigan. Thank you, Michigan. You got yeah, no exactly. help from them. That crushed them too. Well, I think it used to be when we when we debate the independence and the conference championship game versus no conference championship game, I always felt like because you were going to have a marquee matchup over Thanksgiving weekend, either at USC or at Stanford, mm-hmm. that indeed, you know, that, that might help mask a loss, a regular season loss before that. But let's face it, those two programs are on the downslide. Stanford enters the weekend one and three. Uh, USC is tr- uh, three and one, I believe, but they go to Washington and they're like a 13-point underdog. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Washington is a 13-point favorite over USC. So probably not going to get that one. So now here's what the Notre Dame November schedule looks like. And this is, that's obviously when playoff bursts are, are won and lost. Here it is. Virginia, and this is according to CBS, the 1 through 130 poll that CBS puts out every week. Virginia Tech, number 64. Duke, number 76. Navy, number 73. Boston College, number 81, that just got done up big time by Kansas at home. And then Stanford comes in at 62. So there's really nothing there down the stretch for Notre Dame to hang its hat on. I don't know how many stories I saw this week laying out scenarios saying all is not lost. I couldn't disagree more. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Now, they do catch a break this week because I think Virginia's better than some people thought heading into this season, especially on defense, Todd. And you look at this defense – uh, 20 sacks in four games. Right. Uh, they stifle the running game, and we've already had enough problems up front with the offensive line and the running game. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm actually, and we'll make our picks later on, I'm quite worried about this weekend's game at home. It's all about the, uh, the linebackers here for Virginia, and it is quite a star-studded trio. Jordan Mack, Zane Zandler, and Charlie Snowden, these guys are great players. These three linebackers have already combined for 17 tackles for loss and 10 sacks. You mentioned the 20 sacks as a team. That's five per game. That's number one in the country. Uh, they rank, uh, where is it here, number nine in the country. I'm sorry, number five in the country in tackles for loss at 9.8. They really get after you on defense, that's for sure. And you mentioned the rush defense, number 12 in the country, only giving up 75 yards on the ground per game. It's a heck of an opponent, number 18 team in the country. Had a couple come from behind wins, especially at Florida State, when they were down and, and looked out in that game. Um, Bryce Perkins, the quarterback, led him on touchdown drives of more than 70 yards in the last three possessions, um, and so they were able to get by there 31-24 to against Florida State. So they actually have a, a feather in their cap when it comes to playing from behind. They have that confidence. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Offensively, a little bit challenged, Rags. They don't have a lot of big play people. Perkins does a pretty nice job. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Notre Dame has problems with those types of players. We know that. You know, uh, we've talked about that, but this guy can run and pass, so it's a little bit of a different dynamic than those quarterbacks from Louisville and New Mexico. But you're exactly right, Rags. It all starts with that defense for sure. And, Todd, uh, talk about our offense real quick here. And It's not on your liner notes, but I did want to – uh, and I, I do think this is going to be a letdown game for them. The progression of Ian Book, did, what did you learn from last week? Did you see anything that makes you a little more encouraging than from last year's playoff game that in the big moment with the big spotlight on, there is some progression here? I'm not sure I did. Are you talking about Ian Book specifically? Yeah, or is just, other... but yeah Ian Book specifically at quarterback. 
Um, it, it was hard to say, Rags. That was a weird game when he's asked to throw 47 passes. That's a lot to put on any quarterback. Um, you know, he's done a good job in spots, but again, the two picks hurt. But like, you're asked to throw 47 passes. Something's going to go awry during that. I don't know. I'm going to say the jury's still out, Rags. I can't. I wish I could give you a better answer, but I have not seen anything that jumps out at me as far as he's vastly improved from last year. But at the same time, I haven't really seen that uh, regression we've talked about either. Seems to be kind of status quo here. And, um, and he needs some production out of the running back, obviously. And Michael Young coming back, getting production out of that position again, too, would probably help his progression. I, th- I would have worried more about a letdown sort of trap game had yeah. Notre Dame beaten Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think this keeps him focused. And I, in all honesty, Brian Kelly's actually done a better job of getting his team refocused after big losses or big wins. Um, that was something he struggled with early in his career here. Seems to be the, the, the guys seem to have their heads on straight and can move on. Certainly, you're going to watch tape of Virginia and you're not going to fall asleep during it. They're going to get your attention big time. But I thought it was interesting that Brian Kelly said after the Georgia game and then beyond that really this game might define his team better and tell him more about its psyche and mental makeup than actually what happened in Athens. Well, I think our team will define who they are, you know, this week um, because they're coming off of a, a game where they were disappointed in their performance. So they have a chance to do something about it. So this is an opportunity to kind of define, you know, who you are. And clearly, um, they know uh, what's at stake for them this weekend. They're playing a, a really good football team that's nationally ranked. I think it's the first time they've been ranked for three weeks in, in a long time. So they feel really good about themselves. They're going to come in expecting to win. So they're going to be challenged, and they're going to have to respond. Um, so, yeah, you want to find those things out. I, I got a good feeling that they're going to respond in, in, in the right way. Um, but, again, it's, it's closer to defining who you are after coming back from a loss than it is any time after a win. Virginia has their attention. There's no doubt about that. I wonder the reaction, Todd, to this mm-hmm. game, if it is a loss at home after that Georgia loss, will the rumblings begin or get louder, I should say, about, all right, where's this program really at and where are we going with Brian Kelly? Clearly, clearly that's going to be the case, and it's not going to be easy. Um, I, I think you make a good point. You lose two straight here. You, you're at one at home against a team you're a double-digit favorite against. Yeah, uh, you're going to start hearing all the questions. You're going to start hearing about Ian Book's value. You're yeah. going to hear about this. And I think Brian Kelly probably could continue to pull the injury at running back card, um, but you have to play through that. You have to get over that. You have to actually show, like I said earlier in the show, you have to you have to have some confidence in these guys. You know, they've been around, been around the program. You, you got to you know you got to get them in there. Tell them well, to hold on to the damn football, but get them in there. Rags, this is a really tough opponent. Bronco Mendenhall has done a wonderful job with Virginia. This this program was left for dead um, when he came in here, and uh, this is his fourth season now. Obviously, the growing pains of 2016, his first season, they went two and ten, but then they went to bowl games in 17 and 18. They actually won their bowl game last year, 28 uh, nothing in the Belk Bowl over South Carolina. Rags, that's the first time. First time since 2004 and 2005 that Virginia went to a bowl game in two consecutive years. And uh, so, and it's the first bowl game they've won since 2005 as well. 
So Bronco, Bronco Mendehall has this has this program on the rise for sure, and uh, they have a good chance of winning that division they're in in the ACC. And one, in fairness to Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, as opposed to the other elite programs, is the depth that when you're in the SEC and programs like that, Notre Dame can't have quite the same amount of depth as those guys can in those elite conferences per se. Uh, and elite programs. I think that's one of the reasons why you'll never get the same feel from a Notre Dame that you would from these other teams because they have a quarterback in waiting that if they have to wait long enough, they're just going to go transfer to another team, and and they have a lot of players like that on both sides of the ball. So that is one that is one uh, shortcoming that Notre Dame seems to always will be able to have, or, or yeah, I, I guess the have-nots. I, I'll, I'll agree with you to a point, but I think Brian Kelly and his staff have made major strides in closing that gap. I certainly agree with your point, um, but I think it was much more glaring, let's say, four or five years ago. I mean, look at that 2012 team, for instance, if you want to go back seven years. That team was had a lot of frontline talent, a lot of frontline talent. You don't go to the national championship game without it. But, boy, you pulled the curtain on that front-line talent. There was really nothing behind it, Rags. And and I think Brian Kelly has done a good job of fortifying his depth and his bench and his two deep ears. There's still work to be done. There always is. Uh, But I do think Notre Dame is making strides in that area. Fair point. Fair point. All right, where are we going with this game? Now let's make our predictions here, Todd. Um, And I think you can get the feel from me that I'm not having a real good uh, intuition (laughs) about this. Uh, I I feel a one-point loss at home. Coming, I do. I don't know why. I hope I'm wrong. I know they're double-digit favorites, and they should win, um, and the fans will be raucous. I just feel like a letdown here is uh, in hand, and I'm I'm going 24-23 Virginia here. I I I mean, I don't like your outcome. I do like the score there. I'm kind of in the same ballpark on that. I think Notre Dame finds a way, but I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. You're not going to get up. I don't think you'll see anybody get up in the 40-point range or anything like that. A um, little bit of back and forth, but I think ultimately Notre Dame's talent takes over a little bit. Hopefully they can get a little something going in the run game. That certainly is your concern and a valid one, to say the least. I still like Notre Dame to get this done and get back on track 27-20. Rags, let me ask you real quick. As of right now, right now, this moment, is this the biggest home game on Notre Dame's schedule, or would you still give that to USC, or is it too early to answer that? <sighs> I, only because of the name, I think it's USC. But if you look at the programs where they are right now, yeah, it is, and that's that's kind of tragic, you know, because when you go ahead and you plan your vacations and your tailgates and when you want to get out there and party and what's the best game, you look at this home schedule, boy, oh boy, I mean, it's like a kick to the, you know what? Uh, there's nothing there, um, and you, you're lucky you have these rivalries like the the Catholic Bowl with the BC and USC to to keep you going because there's really. Uh, are you going to get jazzed up for Bowling Green? If you are, then you've got some. Uh, you you don't have a you don't have much else going on in your life. No, you know. Right, right? Can I, can, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I, I want to slip one more in here since we're talking about the schedule because this is kind of interesting. I was doing some research for that story, and back in 2017, when when Jack Warbrick was putting together this schedule, he had four road games at Louisville, at Georgia, at Michigan, and at Stanford. And the Irish faithful were in an uproar because they said, Jack Swarbrick, you have overscheduled us in 19 like we've never seen. <laughs> and here we are still in, here we are still in September, and Georgia's the only one undefeated team in that entire lot. That's so incredible, isn't you, it? You just never know how schedules are going to play out. Well, uh, that game between... The one thing to keep an eye on with Michigan-Notre Dame game, that game could be... 
for the coach that keeps their job. That that's whoever wins that game oh, gets to keep he, their job. On. What I'm telling you, Harbaugh is going to be gone. He well, keeps Harbaugh will be. Brian Kelly's on stable ground. I don't know. Oh. Let's not be silly, Rags. <laughs> he went to the playoffs last year. It's fun to talk about. Can I at least uh, stir the pot <laughs> a little bit? Try, well, you have been trying to shove him out the door every show no, since we no, started this I thing like four Brian, years ago. I like Brian Kelly. I just uh, would want to win a little more. That's all. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, win championships, not just you know undefeated seasons. Uh, beat good teams. And, yeah, beat yeah, beat good teams. Uh, all right, we're we're out of time. We digress. We are ready for uh, not only Fire and Irish uh, preview, which is coming up next on ESPN Radio thirteen eighty and one hundred point nine FM, but we're ready for the big game coming up this weekend over at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, Todd, we'll do this all over again next week, my friend. All right, sounds good, Rex. And the Blue Gold Report is brought to you by Dio McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. This has been a presentation of Opt In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.